I'm Rob. I'm Joy. And you're listening to Key Light. This week, we're talking about Cowboy Bebop, a classic 90s anime that has really stood the test of time. Both Rob and I really love this show dearly, and we're really excited to discuss it with you all. Yeah, and I am so excited because, as Joy said, one of my favorite animes, I think it stands out from a lot of other anime that people have watched. But a note on the structure of this show before we dive right into it, we're going to separate this new show, Key Light, into four different parts. First, me and Joy are both going to start with a one or two sentence summary about this media, whether it's a movie, an anime, or a classic Western TV show. And then we're going to talk about the key parts of this show, what me and Joy think make this media so good, why it is important to watch, or why it's better than other shows. Or maybe just why we really like it. Yeah, it could it could be just really sick because the music is nice, for example. Yeah. And then, of course, we'll talk about the cultural impact or the influence, because if something is that good and it has a lot to say, that means it'll be affecting how we as a society think or talk about whatever topic it mentions. And then, you know, we're bringing back the classic song of the week will always end up each episode so you can get those listening recommendations. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we'll just dive right in into my initial thoughts. I think the show is a fantastic balance of story, um, individual character arcs and very unique character dynamics, all set in this very amazing and very unique setting because you have like space and cowboys like you got that western influence i just think it's fantastic yeah there's so much to this show and it's done so well i think this show's mix of genres is really key to spicing up the episodic plot but despite that the overarching plot is the one thing i think makes cowboy bebop better than most shows all right so now we're gonna talk about our best parts or our key parts to why we think this show is great so yeah Rob- we gotta we gotta change our vocabulary start saying key instead of best yeah all right. <laughs> so in some way the, this show feels comparable to other animated shows like justice league or clone wars or avatar the last airbender they're animated so they might seem a little kitty and they have an episodic feel But there's something to say. There's something meaningful in those episodes. Yeah, I agree. But Cowboy Bebop by nature, it was made for older teens and adults, so more mature audiences. So there's a freedom there to tell darker storylines. I think it's a great example of that is like the first episode where that pregnant woman dies at the end. Or I'm not sure if she was actually pregnant. It's it's been a hot second. Crazy. But um, it really sets a very dark tone for the rest of the series. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes and... I think a lot of people like this one because it's so silly and it's not as dark as a lot of the other episodes is episode 11, Toys in the Attic. So it opens up with Jet narrating his quote unquote space log and he's commenting on what it means to be a bounty hunter. So when there's no one to hunt, we have nothing, nothing to do, nothing to live on. Nothing to do, nothing to live on. Bam. This quote strikes right at the core of an important message in Bebop. So let's walk through it. A lot of the time, the crew doesn't have anything to do, so they just sit around. We see it a lot specifically at the beginning and end of the episodes. It's like a parallel. At the beginning, they're just sitting around painting their nails. At the end, they're doing the same thing. And the reason I think this quote, nothing to do, nothing to live on, is so important is because it puts into words a major feeling that weaves throughout the entire show boredom, passing time, and just doing nothing. 
Yeah, I agree. It's also one of my favorite episodes, and I think it's also a very good representation of each of these characters' personalities and how they go about solving problems, and it offers a really interesting insight into each of the characters in a somewhat safe setting. It's it's high stakes for them, but it's lower stakes for us as an audience because they're just on the ship solving this mystery. The Bebop crew isn't mad about this situation of being bored or just being stuck on the ship dealing with some crazy alien. They don't even seem to care. Let's think about this. Throughout the course of the series, the crew never really become successful bounty hunters. Even that's the whole point of this venture, right? The whole reason they're all, they've all come together is to make money as bounty hunters. What usually ends up happening is the bounty is killed, some moral code keeps them from turning the bounty in, or the hunted ends up joining the team in the case of Ayn, Faye, and then even Ed. And then once you notice that pattern, it kind, of, it kind of becomes frustrating because you think, why can't they get a good score for once? You know, they're chasing all these bounties, never racking in the millions. And more importantly, why don't they really care when all of their bounties inevitably fall through? But that's kind of the whole point of the show. The characters aren't meant to be these stereotypical heroes. They aren't meant to succeed in everything they do because failure is what drives their, respe- their respective character arcs forward. And none of the characters are necessarily focused on 100% on catching criminals. They just need something to do, like you said, when they're passing that time, when they have nothing to do, they bounty hunt. And, I mean, the money's not bad either, or the potential of money. <laughs> and... Of course, watching them try to chase these bounties, even if they fall through, is part of the show's appeal. It's what makes the show so fun, all of those car chases and gun fights. All that stuff is great. But for the characters in their own little world, they don't care what it is they're doing. They don't care if it's bounty hunting or passing time on the ship because they're all just waiting. They're specifically waiting for their past to finally catch up to them. When something from a character's past comes up, their whole demeanor changes. They become serious, and there's still a hint of their usual attitude, like Jet's paternal instinct or Spike's easygoingness, but something within them has definitely changed. Some switch has been flicked. And just like that, they blast off away from the rest of the crew, singularly focused on just catching up to their past. Nothing else is in their mind. Yeah, it's always a very stark change from how they usually act, especially compared to how maybe they were introduced for each of the characters. For Spike, this is um, this happens in Jupiter Jazz Part 1, which is episode 12 of the series. Ed is fooling around on the computer, and the name Julia pops up on the screen. We as an audience, we understand that Julia is incredibly important, and of course, immediately Spike runs off, even blowing past Jet's ultimatum that he can't come back to the Bebop. Then don't come back. There won't be a place for you. It's your call, pal. This is the moment that Spike has been waiting for while he was lounging around, doing nothing the whole time. But all the main characters have their own version of this. For Jet, it's when he meets his former lover early on in the series, and then later when he faces the man who took away his arm. For Faye, it's when she is met with the man who took advantage of her once she woke up from her cryogenic sleep. And for Ed, it's when she meets her father on Earth in one of the last episodes. And they also abandon the crew just as easily as Spike does. Edward, if I don't come back, water the bonsai for me, okay? All right. She wants the guy instead of the money. Jet caught him. It's his reward, Faye. I have some history to work out with this guy, so I claim first rights to him and to the bounty that's on his head. Is it just me, or did that not make any sense? I mean, and it's still interesting to watch because it follows their character arcs so perfectly. And I think 
this sort of comes to the ending. I think the ending, regardless of how controversial it is, I know people have been fighting for literal decades on the internet over this, but I think it's a perfect representation of this sort of character-driven narrative. We open the show with Spike's quest for vengeance, and it ends with Spike completing his goal. And at the end, each of the characters, have all they've all wrapped up their individual storylines and gone on their way, and Spike's ending is no different. They had their time together, and now it's time for them to take their respective next steps. That's not to say there isn't consistency. The music and the setting are, are usually the same at the beginning and the end of the episode. And unless there's a distraction, the crew is just passing time together. I mean, it's also there for consistency between episodes, and it's easier to have the same intro and outro in terms of production purposes. Can you tell I'm a film major? But also, <laughs> it creates a very interesting and compelling storytelling aspect. Yeah. And after all of these adventures, all of this risk-taking, you know, they end up back where they started back to killing time. After Jet has his little character arc, after uh, Faye has her little character arc with their respective pasts, they come back to the ship and go back to just killing time, doing nothing. While externally the crew is always moving from place to place, doing whatever they want, internally they're all trapped by their pasts. They can't move on mentally from what has happened to them by some emotion. For Jet, it's that betrayal from his lover and then from the police institution. For Faye, it's loneliness from having everything she knew taken away from her and having no memory of her past life. And for Spike, it's really simple. It's revenge against Vicious and his love for Julia. Yep. And they all reach the end of their arcs and the show ends. The entire show is so heavily driven by their individual character arcs, so there's not necessarily really a big overarching background plot. And once you really understand that as a viewer, the entire show takes on a new meaning, and I think it's a better experience watching the show once you understand that. Definitely a show that is better upon a rewatch. Yes. And it's only 24 episodes, 26? 26. 26 episodes. So, you know, you can watch the show as many times as you want without complaints. So... I agree with everything that you just said. The plot is good, but the characters are what make this show interesting. And it's where the writers present their themes, most importantly. Waiting around, passing time. It's these themes, these unique themes executed in an intricate and interesting way that move Cowboy Bebop from the realm of good shows to great shows. So now we're sort of going to discuss the cultural impact of Cowboy Bebop, as we will do for other media going forward. So for Cowboy Bebop, the 90s were an incredibly important era for anime as the genre was sort of in a very like a golden era. You had um, Dragon Ball, you had the start of Samurai Champloo, a lot of these iconic anime coming out in the 90s. And it was sort of moving into this era of global acclaim. Anime was growing popular around the world, especially in Western culture. And Cowboy Bebop, it stood out because it was this single self-contained season that wrapped up all its major storylines and it left just enough open for viewers to sort of question what happens next, but not enough that it was like people were demanding another season, because I don't think it needs another season. It's perfect just the way it is. Also in this time, most uh, manga and anime were targeted towards younger kids or like younger teens. Cowboy Bebop was definitely targeted towards more like mature audiences, towards late teens, adults, giving that audience something to watch, which I think was more unique during that time. And even in the modern day, this story really holds up and it still holds weight. It's a cultural staple, both for Japanese audiences and global audiences. You see references to the show everywhere. I don't know if anyone else watches Ruby, but little the little Corgi is named Y after Ayn from the show. And it's like, you see little, little references everywhere in Western media. 
Yeah, Cowboy Bebop has had a huge influence, but I think going off of what you just said, it is standout because it was made for more mature audiences, especially when people think of anime in general, even today. They think of you know a cutesy style, maybe a little over-sexualized, um, placed in childlike settings like a high school or a fantasy fighting world. But Cowboy Bebop has a little bit of that fantasy, but it looks real. The characters look like real people for the most part, and <laughs> at least a little bit more than most anime. But that um, more realistic animation, you know, more human-looking and human-acting characters allows the adult themes to feel more real. Like it lets you say, okay, this makes sense with the style of the animation. So I think that's a really important point. Also, because it didn't require any prior knowledge about Japanese culture beforehand, it was way more accessible to Western audiences, combined with the fact that, A, the English dub is so good. I personally prefer the dub over the sub. And B, like Joy mentioned before, it's only 26 episodes, so it's really easy to watch. Not only is it uh, in English and in an easier animation style for Western audiences to view, but it's also short. It's easy to watch. You can just binge it in a few days if you really want to. Now, talking about some specific shows and media that Cowboy Bebop has influenced, if you've ever watched Avatar The Last Airbender, which I really hope you have. If you haven't, you should go watch it. Yes, please go do that. We will probably do an, an episode on it. We will do yes. an episode on it. <laughs> um you will know that there is the Cabbage Man, who is a recurring character throughout the series. I think he shows up about four times, right? I don't know, but he's my favorite. And then he upgrades in Legend of Korra to Cabbage Corp. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a crazy story they have there. But guess who Cabbage Man was influenced by? And this has been said by the creators. It was He was influenced by the running gag of the three old guys in Cowboy Bebop. So they're, they're, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's real. I have the link to the article right in front of me. But... It, they start off in the first episode with them sitting at a bar talking about, you know, in the old days we did all this. And I think they show up about two or three more times. But the creators of Avatar loved it so much they wanted to do their own version of that. So that's where the Cabbage Man came in. We also have a movie Brick by Rian Johnson. And me personally, I've never watched this movie. I've heard it's good. But more importantly, Rian Johnson has directed other movies that you've probably seen like The Last Jedi. Rogue One, and Knives Out. I and, love Knives Out. I'm so excited for Glass Onion. Oh, yeah. It's coming out soon, right? I think so. Sometime later, either this month or next month. Yeah. A little bit of a tangent, but also another good movie. And he was heavily influenced by Spike and the noir genre, specifically for Brick, but also for some of his other movies. In other places, Cowboy Bebop has had a way more obvious influence I haven't seen this written on the internet anywhere, but this makes a lot of sense. Guardians of the Galaxy, that's just oh, a, carbon, a carbon copy of Cowboy But also, um, what's that Joss Whedon show? Firefly. 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 Yep. Yeah, I mean, they were. I think they were airing around the same time. I think Firefly might have come out after, but still, it's like the same thing, like Cowboys in Space. Exactly. Regardless of, you know. Yeah, Firefly came after. Yeah. Yeah, either way, Cowboy Bebop has had an influence on so many pieces of media, and it's just been a really important show for anime, but also for the rest of uh, Western shows. 
well, we're coming to an end here, so we're gonna do our favorite section that we don't prepare well for, our <laughs> song of the week. Rob, you want you want to go first? Yeah. So there was a lot of music that came out recently. We got Freddie Gibbs, we got Kid Cudi, we got Billy Woods. Who else did we have? Oh, we had JID. That was crazy. I I see Joy's face and she's just like, yeah, whatever. You're saying whatever words. You say. you yeah, are, I'm saying you're definitely saying words. <laughs> to all my rap fiends out here, I recommend Too Much by Freddie Gibbs featuring Moneybag Yo. The new album, it's all right, but this one, classic beat. Moneybag Yo, I could do without. Freddie always fills in my appetite for rap. All right. Well, Rob and I have very different music tastes, but Clearly. someone someone else who released an album quite recently, Fletcher released a new album, and Rob is just looking at me very confused. Anyway, for any um, lesbians who are listening, um, <laughs> I think the song, what is it, Girl of My Dreams off of Fletcher's new album, it's the title track, but yeah, that's my recommendation. So yeah, see ya, Space Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs>